Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. I'm Drew. What's yo, yo, happening, yo. everybody? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Between the Gutters, and today we mentioned last week that we would be going over the manga Space Brothers. Well, I guess I'll give a little bit in, in information about it first before we do our deep dive. It's a manga by Chuya Koyama, published by Kodansha, uh, and it originally began serialization in Japan in December 2007. In brief, it's the story of two brothers in space, obviously, but the brief description of it is it begins with two brothers as kids and some sort of space-related phenomena occurs that leaves an impact on both of them, both of their memories and their reflections as they grow into adulthood. And the story... Their psyches. Their psyches, exactly. And the story fast-forwards after this phenomena, uh, showing them as adults, with one of them, the younger brother, growing up to be an astronaut while... The older brother ends up being a... He works as a car designer initially, but when we begin the story, he's in the middle of being fired from that job, and he's forced to return home, and he's aimless and searching for a direction in his life when he gets word that he has the opportunity to become an astronaut like his little brother so he takes it upon himself to uh, embark on this journey to becoming an astronaut. That is essentially what it's about. Do you remember the brothers' names, Drew? Yeah, the younger brother was named Hibito, and the oh. older brother is Muta. Nice, nice. Was I? Did you feel that I missed anything that needed to be mentioned or that you feel you wanted to mention uh, to our listeners? Well, I would just merely clarify that we read volume one of this series. It's actually a really long series. Yeah. This series, like you said, it started in late 2007, and it's still going on in Japan right now. Yeah. So they're still making new installments, and I think in terms of the number of volumes available, it's like 39 or just somewhere in the upper 30s, maybe even the 40s by now. Yeah, I was pretty surprised by that fact when you mentioned it to me because I was under the impression that this manga, being as old it was as it was, was done already, but apparently not. Yeah, back in 2012 to 2014, there was an anime television series based on the manga, and the anime series went for 99 episodes. Mm. I've never watched the anime, so I don't know how uh how much how closely it follows the manga yeah but because I, I assume that because the anime ended at 99 episodes while the manga is still going on i assume that towards the end the anime probably like came up with its own ending or maybe it just stopped at wherever it adapted up to so yeah i really don't know i think there's also a live action movie based on this that wouldn't surprise me seeing as how a lot of mangas uh do end up getting animes and live action adaptations. It's, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not super uh, versed in, in anime, but 
Uh, you've watched your fair share, Albert. I've watched <laughs> you, my fair you've share. You've definitely watched your fair share. <laughs> I, I'm not a weeb or a neckbeard or anything, so I haven't, like... You're definitely not a weeb, but you know anime. <laughs> Don't sell I yourself have, short now. I haven't made it my life to know uh, anime, to make my life no- nothing but about anime. But, you know, I... I I can handle my my myself in a conversation for sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um but my point being, I'm constantly surprised to find and and like I'm coming to the point where I really shouldn't be surprised, but I'm I'm like I said, I'm constantly surprised to find that there are live action versions of mangas and animes that I'm I'm into. And in addition to that, there are even cases where I'm surprised of things that have already been rebooted, you know? Uh, it feels like they tend to move a lot faster in Japan on these things, but I could be wrong. It could be just that they're more active in <clears throat> keeping their properties uh, adapted and yeah. doing, uh, you know, yeah. keeping them uh, alive with new yeah. adaptations is yeah. what I meant. And yeah. that makes sense, like... Especially if, like they hit on a gold mine where something becomes beloved, then they just act quickly to make sure that it's it remains front and center in the in the psyche of people that are gonna spend money on it. Yeah, and sometimes so. sometimes they don't even necessarily act quickly. Sometimes the stuff just has some kind of lasting power somehow. Like I. Th- yeah, I think of something like Ghost in the Shell, and the yeah. original manga was published, you know, early '90s or maybe even late '80s. Yeah, and we got so many uh, Ghost in the Shell continuations in animation, you know, yeah. that aren't even necessarily in the same continuity. But there was a a movie, the original movie back in the '90s by Mamoru Oshii. Yeah, and then you had stuff like standalone complex with which was an unrelated anime series and then yeah. you had uh ghost in the shell 2 or actually properly titled innocence a sequel mm-hmm. movie then you you had uh the stuff that was more recent or i guess it's not even that recent anymore but from like i don't know five or seven years ago the the ghost in the shell arise series Mm. and then of course you had hollywood make a live action version but we don't talk about that (laughs) unless it's to denigrate it and mock it exactly that's true there there's a bunch of stuff that um that we're that i'm constantly surprised by uh like the other thing that i could think of and this is a, a slightly different experience but I'm not too familiar with it, but from my understanding, the manga Berserk, or not even the manga, the anime Berserk mm-hmm. came out, and then there was like this massive hiatus, like years went by, and then somewhat recently they began putting episodes out again, and it kind of just picked up where it left off, which is... Oh, it's a continuation? I believe it is. Like, maybe it's a loose continuation, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I never watched the anime, but I I remember hearing that, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to do the show, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, some yeah. stuff just uh, doesn't doesn't die off too easily. Like they're able to put out more content. Yeah, it's definitely people. not like my love life. Whew. Dang. <laughs> when you when you put it that way, we gotta do something to rejuvenate your love life the same way that Ghost in the Shell constantly gets rejuvenated. Man, we need to. The we need to figure life. out what that is. <laughs> the shelf life for my for my romantic history should not be less time than it takes to get a new series of <laughs> Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, we're, we're, that we're ends barely our ten episode. minutes into this, and I'm already uh, <laughs> feeling the heaviness. Um. Anyway. Albert, why did we choose Space Brothers Volume 1? So, uh, as briefly as I can describe it, essentially, I was more aware of Space Brothers as an anime before I was aware of it as a manga. And even then, I didn't know anything about it as an anime. It was something that I saw constantly on sale at... um, you know, on the various websites that we frequent when we're shopping for anime. And I think there was a simplicity to the cover that appealed to me. It's mm-hmm. usually just two two brothers standing there in a blank white void. And, mm-hmm. and the title was Space Brothers. And I, I want to say that I had read the description of the anime before, but it wasn't something that... I remember offhand after I read it, it's like not something that stuck with me as much as that image did. So yeah, we decided we wanted to do more anime uh, reviews for the podcast. Manga uh, reviews. Uh, anime. Oh, manga reviews. Sorry about that. Manga reviews. You mentioned what you had available and seeing Space Brothers on your list, it was something that I felt would be a good opportunity to dip my toe in their world and to see if it was something where I could be intrigued beyond the visuals of their anime box design. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So for me, uh, Space Brothers, this was the first time I read it also, so it was new for me. And... Pretty similar to you, since we both shop for sales, anime sales at the same time. Uh, yeah. When there's stuff going on, on at those websites we go to, uh, you know, we, we always see those Space Brothers anime on sale. But I never, I, I don't think I've ever seen like the whole thing on sale. It's always like random volumes of the anime. Yeah, or large or, chunks of it. Yeah, or large chunks of it, and. It's 99 episodes, so if you had to buy all of the volumes individually to get all 99, it still feels like it'd be a pretty big financial investment, and that's why I've yeah. never pounced on the deal, because yeah. it also kind of feels like if I get volume one, I could yeah I could watch it, and I'm sure I'll enjoy like the first 10 episodes or whatever, but I'll kind of feel hollow and empty, knowing that there's just this massive void that i have no access to again yeah. similar to my romantic life <laughs> uh. it's like going on a really <laughs> nice first date 
and then never seeing her again, you know? How about we talk about some manga? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let's lose ourselves in a in a happy fantasy world. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't have to be a happy fantasy world. I could, I, I'm willing to read a manga where everybody's lives just get devastated. Anything, as long as I'm not thinking about my own life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, having finally read Volume 1 of Space Brothers, what are your general thoughts, man? Um, I think... Well, first of all, I, I'll, I'll say this much. Uh, having read that first volume, I will say that I'm interested to read more of it. Uh, we did have a discussion prior to choosing this manga in which you brought to my attention the fact that this was a manga series that is still ongoing today. And whether that would be problematic for us to start something that doesn't have an ending. And at the time, I was like, yeah, you know what, that's fine. Um, like, I can read it, and I am I have enough emotional uh, fortitude where it wouldn't bother me that much. Oh, yeah, you have to have a lot of emotional fortitude. Comics being, will break your heart. Being us, yeah, living <laughs> our lives. For sure. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. Um, but... Having read that, uh, or having said that, uh, I will say that I do wish... Well, one, I, I, I am interested in continuing to read it. And two, I do wish that this was something that probably had a definitive ending. Uh, granted, I, I don't know how many volumes currently exist. But, like you said, there are 99 episodes of an anime, so... Yeah, I, I imagine it's a butt ton of volumes. Um, yeah, they're they're definitely at least in the upper 30s, if not the 40s by now. Okay, okay. Well, that's not too bad. That's manageable. Um, I yeah, mean, I mean, if you do if the it was, math, it's yeah. you know maybe around 200 pages of volume. Yeah. And there's like 40 of them, so. Yeah. Yeah, but still, that doesn't mean that I don't wish that there was an ending to it or. Yeah, well, anyways. Well, there, there, there very well could be an ending. We just haven't arrived there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think when I first started those first couple of pages of them as kids, uh, I, would, I really wasn't sure what it was I was getting into. Um, I, I, I explained at the beginning of the podcast that there was like some sort of some sort of phenomena that occurred to them as kids. And I'm still not even entirely sure what it was. I mean, it looks like it was some sort of UFO or something like that, but suffice it to say it, I initially, I thought it was the, the series was going to be about that, or I thought that was, and, mm -hmm. and it could still end up being about that. But as you get past that, and as you enter the part of the story where they're adults, um, it really feels like that phenomena that occurred was more of a, it was more of a, a, a milestone moment in their lives that solidified their bond and solidified their love of space, you know? So it almost doesn't yeah. matter that it was about, 
a UFO or whatever. It was really more about being captivated by the idea of space. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, and and I will say that once we get into the story of both the brothers as adults, I was pretty into that because it really wasn't about space as much as it was about the older brother. I forget his name. Uh, Muta. Muta. Though it was really a story about Muta living in the shadow of his younger brother, who was a huge success, who's basically a national hero, and him just trying to make his way in the world. And he still lives with the vestiges of this idea that as the older brother, he should be the one that his younger brother looks up to. But Mm -hmm. as an adult, he realizes that his brother is this great big national hero and he's, you know, this disgraced fired employee. Yeah. Uh, And the funny thing is, is that he got fired because he headbutted his boss. Yeah, that was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is he headbutted his boss because I think his boss said something about his brother, right? Yeah. 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 But so yeah, for me, it wasn't necessarily the story of them being in space or, yeah, of the story of them being in space, but I was captivated by his inner turmoil of living up to his role as an older brother and just being, and just trying to find his way in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much yeah. of this first volume is about Muta's journey in trying to be an astronaut himself. Because the the thing that we learn when uh, they're kids is that after they saw that that uh, UFO or whatever you want to call it, they made a promise to each other that they would both do whatever it takes to one day go into space to yeah. see the stars and be able to witness that kind of phenomenon firsthand or up close. And Hibito has been able to do that. Yeah. And been very, uh, you know, just kind of like that high-achieving, successful kind of guy. He met his potential. Yeah, exactly. And now now Muta's trying to do the same, but he's playing playing catch-up. So this first volume is about him applying to... I don't know what you call it, just astronaut school or he's trying to apply space academy. (laughs) He's trying to apply to the program and he has to, it's, it's an arduous thing because there's, you know, thousands of applicants. You got to pass a bunch of tests, not just uh, written tests, but physical tests, psychological tests, a whole bunch of interviews. You know, there's this entire process and I don't, I don't really know anything about being an astronaut. I don't know how accurate or true to life this is. Mm-hmm. but at least i can say for the story it's believable enough man. yeah like i can yeah. i can understand uh that this isn't super outlandish or anything like that it yeah it's within the realm of possibility yeah like right? if you told me that an, a real astronaut read this and said this is ridiculous this doesn't make sense i'd have yeah. to listen to his uh wisdom of you know how the real thing is but just as someone who knows nothing about astronauts this this made sense to me it seemed it seemed logical well 
Yeah, so the way that they set it up is that it almost feels like anyone can apply to be an astronaut, and from this pool of applicants, they choose who 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 gets to be an astronaut, right? And mm-hmm. again, it's not so far outside of the realm of believability that I can watch this and be like, that's not how it works, you know, because it, it's not it's not super ridiculous. It's not super outlandish, right? They don't, their, their process isn't based on, okay, I'm going to roll this dice and we're going (laughs) to expect people to guess the number. And based on that, (laughs) those are our applicants. It's, you know, it's believable. And like you, if an actual astronaut was, came out and said, that's not how it works. It actually takes years and years of schooling, blah, blah, blah. And like, we wouldn't just take, applicants off the street uh to to sign up for it then i would have to defer to their uh expertise on, yeah. on the subject right but yeah but you know for for the sake of uh for the, drama. For the sake of the story for the drama i'll i'll, I'll accept it you know it's, yeah again it's not so outside of the realm of possibility that it's impossible that it takes me out of the story itself Yeah. And the other thing to possibly consider is that this story, especially the chapters that we read in volume one, these were originally from late 2007, early 2008. And the story itself is supposed to take place in the year 2025 when they're adults. That's when that's when they're adults. So in a way, you could even make the argument that it's kind of like science fiction because it's when when Koyama created the comic, he had to kind of envision what the future would look like too, to some extent, you know? Yeah. Even though it's not like far in the future, it's still grounded in so far it's still pretty grounded in realism. Like they're not they're yeah. not training to be astronauts so they can fight an interstellar war against alien conquerors or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're genuinely trying to be astronauts because they love the idea of going into space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I was going to mention that I appreciated about this story was, um, so you mentioned how, like, a lot of volume one revolves around, um, the older brother training and, uh, trying to qualify to become an astronaut. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I appreciate, or like the one thing out of the many things that I appreciated about this first volume is that, um in his inner monologue you really get to hear a lot of his insecurities and there are a lot of these scenes where like one of the scenes that sticks out to me where he's talking to the other pilots and they find out that he's the brother of this famous uh astronaut that's already been into space and they just proceed to denigrate his achievements getting as far as he has, you know, his, yeah. uh, you know, what, uh, passing his physical examinations and doing well with the, uh, the, the testing and, you know, yeah, he every- thinks he's, huh? I was, yeah, I was just going to continue on what you're saying. Cause everybody's thinking, uh, you, you just did well because you asked your brother what was going to be on the test. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like you you did well because your brother told you how to train your body for it. Yeah. So even when he wins, he's 
not really winning, at least in his mind, you know? Yeah. 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 We as the reader know that his brother had nothing to do with it. Like, it, all of this, all of the effort was his own effort. He didn't even, it wasn't until those other applicants mentioned that, that he even thought, man, I should be asking my brother for, for, yeah. for tips. Yeah. So I should be asking him about what, what they're going to test on. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. It was. It was. Uh, I thought it was good drama too. On on yeah. top of that, you know, it it's it's not overly dramatic, but it's the kind of drama that makes sense. It's like that inner turmoil, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's realism in a situation that maybe not too many of us really experience, but the way that it's written and presented makes it feel. Like there's a great deal of verisimilitude because you can just buy into the emotional journey of it. Mm-hmm. Like, like even if even if this isn't really how astronauts become astronauts. Yeah. At the very least, I can say this is how a human being would think or feel in that yeah. situation. Yeah. And, yeah. And that counts for a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. What are some uh, of the things that uh, jumped out or stood out to you that you particularly appreciated? Um, so I mentioned this earlier. Uh, you know, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier where we talked about, uh, again, like how the older brother has these insecurities. And um, honestly, that was a lot of stuff that that was probably a large brunt of the emotional crux of the story that resonated with me was Mm -hmm. this guy who who's older than his younger brother but he lives with these insecurities of not living up to to his younger brother basically yeah and uh not to get too real but there are times in my life where and, and i assume that everybody has moments like this but you know, where uh, you look at where you are in life and you might not be necessarily be where you want to be or you look at other people and they might be further along than you are. And, you know, it's it's a rough place to be when, when you look at life that way. It's uh, It might even get you a little bit down. And reading this comic, I felt for him. I was, I was moved by his plight. I, I, I saw in him what I see in myself. Yeah. 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 Anytime a story can evoke those kind of genuine sentiments from you as a reader, that's some good stuff, man. It's, yeah. it is kind of, uh, you know, tough to be content when you end up comparing yourself with people around you who are just yeah. more successful or younger and somehow they're, they, they are ahead of, ahead of you in terms of career or life or whatever it may be whatever the case may be but just that sense of uh feeling a lack of contentment in your situation yeah that i don't know if if everybody feels like that but it kind of feels like a lot of people probably do yeah i don't know if people would admit to it the way you and i might because (laughs) you know we're we're vulnerable. We're not, yeah, we're vulnerable. <laughs> we're not. We might not be space brothers, but we're lonely brothers. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to say that I'm going to presume that everyone has these moments um, and that it's just human nature to not always be content with yourself. Uh, But certainly from my own perspective, it's something that definitely rings true with me. Yeah. Uh, But again, I... I'm not under the illusion that I'm the only person that feels that way. At least, at least I hope I'm not the only person that feels that way. (laughs) I can only hope that everybody is as miserable as I am. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're not, just know this. If I've ever served you a cup of coffee, I probably spat in it. We may not be content with where we are, but we would be content dragging everybody else down to where we are. Man, this manga does... was mar- way more catharsis than I was prepared for. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it does have a lot of moments where you're privy to the inner thoughts of the older brother and you get these just a sense that or if it, it just feels like his stuff that he narrates resonates and I, f- I felt like that was something that yeah i guess i'd say going back to our last episode when we talked about the inkle and how we talked a little bit about the uh main character in that book didn't really draw us in necessarily like the character himself, John DeFool, he didn't necessarily resonate with us because he was kind of a, a blank slate, as we yeah. said. I felt like this story, you know, totally different tone, totally different type of comic, but in a lot of ways, it was easier to read it. Like it was more compelling because of the character. Yeah. The character, he he's not necessarily... Or maybe I'm not necessarily at the point where I am so attached to the character that that uh, I think of him as like a friend or something. You know how sometimes when you spend a lot of time with a character, it's almost like you know them so well that you know them like you know your friends. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm not at that point after reading volume one, but it it did make me think that if I were to immerse myself in this entire series and, and you know, start reading like chunks and chunks of volumes, I could easily see myself growing attached to to the characters. Yeah, yeah. There's something, you know, human and relatable about them and and even their point of view resonates because like you said, he's uh especially Muta, he's the kind of guy that Yeah, you know, I I guess I do see a little bit of myself in in the character. There is a little bit of uh just I don't know, disappointment or feeling like yeah feeling like a little failure or something, you know, yeah. I'm not the Jedi. I should be, I want more, but I yeah. know I shouldn't. Yeah. And I just <laughs> want to add like, so when, you know, just for context for the listeners, like at the beginning of the story, he is, I think he's 
I want to say he's like some sort of car designer or something, right? Yeah, and actually, it sounds like he's pretty successful because yeah, he he's he's not he's just not a, a guy that works on cars. He he designs cars for a major manufacturer, so he's got exactly. like a a good career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So at, right at the beginning, it's not like he's a loser or anything like that, but. You know, as the story progresses, once he gets fired from his job, like he ends up looking for work and he's shut out of uh, all the other companies in the in a similar field because industry in the industry, because the company that he works for has essentially put out put him on a blacklist, letting other company knows you don't want to hire this guy. He's going to headbutt you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, at his lowest point, he ends up being like think he's like a janitor or something uh, I, th- I thought he was flipping burgers oh maybe he was flipping burgers he had like some sort of low level like like a menial task yeah exactly exactly just to make he, it he was meet. like a, he might have been like a parking lot attendant or something yeah i well, yeah like I, I don't remember exactly what he did i just remember that it wasn't the the most like notable job you know it's the kind of thing where you go from designing cars to uh, watching other people uh drive the cars you designed and then yell at you for telling them that they have to pay a parking fee or something yeah 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 yeah. exactly exactly there's there's just this this sense of it's a fall from grace to it yeah it's a fall from grace for sure and so, you know, once he's at that point, and again, like, you have to remember that headspace for him to apply to be an astronaut and to be in his brother's shadow. Like, there's even this one moment where he has to move back home after he gets fired, and he goes to live with his parents. And you could tell his parents are disappointed because he's eating dinner with his parents, and they, like, give him, uh, they're giving out desserts and it's these strawberries in a cup and the mom and dad both get five strawberries and he only gets three <laughs> and you, you know you can tell that it's like his parents are they're I, subtly I, I, hinting that their yeah. son could be doing better exactly pointed yeah they don't want to give him they could have both easily given him one of their strawberries as a sign of love, but it's, it's a pretty like hurtful. I mean, like it's, it's played as a joke in that moment, but it still kind of stings, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's not even like he has a bad relationship with his parents. They, they obviously still care for him and yeah. about him, but it is just kind of their way of letting him know that he's got to do something. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And yeah. it makes sense. Like there's just those little details in in their relationships make this story feel alive in this in from the vantage point of the emotional drama. Like even the different um the different times we see the flashbacks early on in the book when from when they were kids. Mm-hmm. There is a sense of just brotherhood between them. 
you know, I mean, it, it's obviously in the title, but you you do get a chance to see what that brotherhood means to both of them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that both of them remember that moment with a lot of clarity. Yeah. Even They even went so far as to, I guess when they were kids, they had this habit where they would uh, bring a tape recorder around and record a lot of their conversations as they would go on these adventures together. And that's, that's kind of like how this whole thing kicks off is is that Muta tells his brother what happened and his brother tells him to listen to the tape from, you know, blah, blah, blah day. Yeah. When when you uh, when we were out in the field and saw that UFO and he listens to it and he hears his his own voice saying, you know, we or he hears both of their voices saying that they made a promise to both go into space one day and that's yeah that's pretty much what uh fuels him or motivates him to take on this uh endeavor yeah 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 i thought it was kind of interesting how there was so much significance placed on those flashbacks mm. like there's a lot of scenes in the beginning of the book that are references or allusions to a lot of real world events because they were both born in the 90s and like from the very first page of the story there's a reference to the agony of doha which was like a pretty big event in japan when their national uh soccer team failed to qualify for the world cup <laughs> and it was yeah. like always like a, a pretty big thing uh in in their sports culture and then you know there's like other events that that they're that they go through like one of the f- other funny things that i that uh stood out was when they talked about the time that zidane headbutted a guy in the world cup <laughs> <laughs> like i still remember watching that myself so to see it in this comic it it kind of made me smirk because that that was like that was history that i personally remember watching on tv <laughs> and that's exactly what muta does to his boss yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. That was a pretty good touch, like them, uh, I guess, picking moments in actual history to kind of denote what their what their timeline was uh, relative to actual history. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> I thought that was a pretty good touch as well. Um, yeah. Did you what how would you like characterize this comic exactly Drew like if you were to try to describe it to our listeners uh what genre do you think you would put this under Man that that's tough it it feels like it could be a variety of genres like it it doesn't really feel like it hews to a, a specific single type of genre because i think initially the the knee the knee-jerk reaction would probably be to say it's science fiction right right and i i guess that's probably accurate since it does take place (coughs) in the future especially when you take into consideration what year it was originally created you know it it was made uh or the the story takes place well over a decade after it was actually uh, created. 
So there is definitely some sense of speculation uh, in terms of how Koyama must have envisioned the future. So from that sense, I think it's it, we could say it's science fiction. But so far, at least from volume one, we haven't really seen anything that's too advanced beyond what we have today in terms of technology or even uh, the setting or anything like that. Like there isn't like if you didn't tell me that this was uh, taking place in 2025, even though the comic was made in 2008, like if I just read that without knowing those details, it would just feel like it takes place in the present day, you know, like I wouldn't yeah. know any, yeah. any difference. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to me, like, I don't want to read this first volume and based on what I've read, presume that that is exactly what it's going to be. Because I, I feel like this being such a long lasting series, there's definitely a lot of different directions that it could take. So it's very grounded in reality Mm -hmm. currently right like the sci-fi science fiction elements of it are pretty limited yeah like i would say that the only science fiction aspect of it is just uh the space travel aspect right but even that isn't it's It's not not too far from what we have in reality right now exactly like uh what's his name koyama doesn't uh, take the opportunity for of the manga to, uh, like he doesn't take the opportunity to write a manga that's just this fantastic flight of fancy where he talks about all this pseudoscience, uh, for uh where where the pseudoscience is a focal point of the manga itself. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, it's a very like human and emotional, emotionally based story. But yeah. that being said, um, I I won't rule out in future mangas, in future volumes, the possibility that he's gonna inject more of that stuff and really take the story to some far off places at some point, right? Like I I think my instinct right now is to say that the story is going to continue to be about these two brothers mm-hmm. and their relationship as they as as the older brother uh tries to become an astronaut, but I I also won't discount the possibility that they could go to a a pretty extreme place with their flights of fancy you know yeah it it does make me wonder how many volumes is it gonna be before we get a resolution to muta's training like is he i i assume he's going to successfully become an astronaut yeah uh yeah i mean it's it's possible that he could end up failing and the story could go in that direction i really don't know because i I haven't read any spoilers or anything yeah but i would imagine that the story would spend a little bit more time with him going through the training passing all the tests yeah and so you know eventually overcoming every all the hardships and the challenges 
and beca- it feels like- he'll become an astronaut, and then yeah. we'll see what happens when he becomes an astronaut and move forward from there. Yeah. Like, it feels like the trajectory of the story is ultimately going to be that he is going to, you know, go through astronaut training. He's going to come up with a couple of challenges here and there, which he'll ultimately overcome before ultimately becoming an astronaut that gets to go to space. Mm -hmm. But then again, I won't, like I said, I won't discount the possibility that some other stuff is going to happen where it becomes a completely far out story uh, that still has elements of the uh, familiar familial relationship between these two brothers, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, I guess in a, in a, Oh no, go ahead. Go no. ahead. Well, I was going to say like, the thing that I find interesting about this manga is there are a lot of mangas that are still fictional but very grounded in reality. Uh, like, there's mangas about, um, for example, there's mangas about making ramen, or mm-hmm. there's mangas about uh, working in a factory. There's mangas about working in an office. There's there's really a whole bunch of these genres of manga that exist where um, it's where they where they take something uh, mundane and inject drama and uh, character into it. And this almost feels like it could be one of those, except for the fact that it's based in the future, right? So if yeah. they had just done a story that took place in modern day that was about what about a manga that was about what it takes to be an astronaut this could have very easily been that you know yeah and i i guess when you put it that way if we go back to trying to pigeonhole it in a genre i guess we could even say that this is kind of like a slice of life type of story yeah except it feels weird to call something that's you know uh 8,000 pages and counting slice of life because that's one fat slice. Yeah. It's life. It's life. But the the fact that it is about just the experiences and the decisions and the emotional reactions that the characters go through while you know, undergoing or participating in a certain task or just being in a certain circumstance in life, that's what makes it kind of feel like a slice of life story. Because yeah. so far it's not like it's not it's not action oriented or the action's not about fighting anybody, you know, it's not about uh trying to beat up bad guys or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, they're not fighting here, Thanos. Yeah, they're not fighting Thanos. The enemy here isn't an enemy that Muta can punch in the face. I mean, even though he headbutted his boss, you know, that that's really just kind of the impetus for where he is now. The enemy yeah. that he has to deal with is his insecurities and his his self-doubts and his, you know, just the the things that he faced in life that brought him to this point. Same yeah. same as anybody, you know. It's like we all have those yeah. Same kind of enemies, self-doubt and just feeling uh, 
inadequate. <clears throat> it reminds me of this uh, one conversation me and you had, Drew, where I was talking about this English class that I took, and one of the writing, um, one of the writing uh, devices that exists is like is the idea that every story is based on five core conflicts, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where um, the five conflicts are man versus man, man versus society, man versus nature, man versus God, and then man versus self, right? Mm -hmm. And again, like in this scenario, in this... uh, So the idea is that out of all stories, those five uh, those five forms of conflict usually tend to be one of the usually tend to be the foundation of any story, right? And right. Uh, in this particular case, it's again, it's like you said, it's not like he's facing off against uh, something that he can punch or beat. Uh, what he's dealing with, what he's what his primary conflict is is with his own insecurities and his own uh dissatisfaction with himself you Mm -hmm. know and Mm -hmm. and it feels like it's going to be a story that follows that journey to overcome uh himself combined with the journey to overcome uh the obstacles that are in his way to becoming an astronaut right it's a combination of uh conflicts but yeah yeah when you put it that way it does make the theme of the book stand out just the theme or makes it makes one of the specific themes of the book stand out and the theme that i'm thinking of is just that idea of reaching for the stars because like in a sense they're they're very literally reaching for the stars yeah, when they're astronauts, you know, That's they his they potential. Actually, yeah, they they actually want to go into space, but there's also that uh, figurative sense of just reaching for a goal, you know, just trying to attain something that that uh, is out of reach, something that you can see, and and Muta's goal is to be an astronaut so that his brother can look up to him again. You know, he wants to feel that that's what he's reaching for. So it's it's cool to me that the creator of the manga came up with a way to really bring an image to that internal struggle. You know, like it it, it works on multiple levels where the character is striving for something that is just out of reach in an emotional way, but also in a very physical way too. Mm. Like that, Mm. that's some clever, clever writing right there. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think this is something that you're going to continue to read beyond this first volume, Drew? Yeah, man. I think this is something I would absolutely continue reading the only question is the amount of time that it would take to read all of what i have because i yeah i got this bundle digitally and it's like the first i think 
I think I have the first 30 or maybe even 34 volumes of it. Mm. That's pretty so that's, good, man. That's a lot. And it's not even all of it. Yeah. So that's pretty daunting. Yeah. But, you know, logically speaking, I could easily read one volume a week or something like that until yeah. until I get to the end. So it, it wouldn't really be a Herculean task. Yeah. It would just be a task. And I will say that I'm more motivated to dive into volume two of this than I am uh, to dive into volume two of the Inkle after we read it last week. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know if that necessarily means a whole lot because they're, yeah. they're, like I said, they're different types of books. Uh, Space Brothers is, is, there's just something compelling about these long form, yeah. serialized character driven stories yeah i was gonna mention just for those of uh those of you who are listening who are listeners who who are curious about this uh manga but just to clarify it's not a very dense manga you know it's actually it was actually a pretty decent read i i felt yeah it was breezy yeah it was breezy but emotionally it was compelling you know Mm-hmm. So it was certainly something where if I had really committed myself, I could have probably read read it all in one sitting. But mm-hmm. uh, but you know, um, wanting to digest what I read and you know just due to whatever other distractions that I had in my life, uh, I was reading it in in parts, uh, you know, with breaks in between. Mm-hmm. But even even so, it's not like it's not like I read it and I felt like it was just junk food for the brain or anything. It was it was interesting to me, and I I probably share the same sentiment as you in that um, I don't feel any desire or need to immediately read the Inkal at the moment, uh, the volume two of the Inkal. But mm-hmm. with this, there is something in the back of my mind that is curious. About I really want to what, know what happens next. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious <laughs> about that. what the rest of his journey is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of the artwork? Uh, if I had to be perfectly honest, it it was serviceable. It was fine. Like I didn't think it was. It felt like it was pretty pretty much in line with other manga art that I had seen. So mm-hmm. so it wasn't anything that uh necessarily uh jumped out at me especially relative to other manga. Mm-hmm. But so you think it was kind of plain? Yeah, I do. Um and I would even say that there were certain points where some of the figures like you know, again, considering that this is a science fiction comic, this isn't it, it wasn't anything where a lot of uh at least in this first volume a lot of energy or a lot of uh focus was placed on design Mm -hmm. or anything like that so it's not like i saw a lot of science fiction design work uh space stations or space rocket ships or whatever or technology it Mm -hmm. it was really grounded in just the people um and there were 
occasions where I would even go as far as to say that some of the people didn't necessarily look as good as I wanted them to be to look. You mean but, you wanted them to be more attractive, or you think that they were just drawn funny? They were drawn funny, and they probably could have looked better uh, compared to some other mangas that I've read. But are there any characters uh, in particular that you felt that way about? Uh, I'm thinking. Uh, there were occasions where they the the older brother, where the way that they drew him was, I think he looked oddly lanky you know Mm, okay okay yeah uh but that was about all that i could think of i mean i think relative to other manga it certainly it's certainly still in line with other manga that i've seen but it didn't it didn't go above and beyond or really wow me in any way as of yet but i enjoyed the story enough where the art didn't you know didn't detract uh, yeah it didn't detract exactly and and i would even say that on its own the art was fine you know yeah yeah what what are your thoughts on the art do you do you have any favorable or unfavorable thoughts I think I'm more on the favorable side. Uh. I've read a ton of manga. And while I will say that Koyama's art here doesn't blow me away or really impress me, I do think that the strength of his artwork is the clarity and how easy it is to follow the story. Mm. Even though there are some, some scenes where there's not really any backgrounds or anything like that, I will say that he's good at conveying the story, uh, at least the emotional core of the story, through the facial experience, uh, facial expressions, mm-hmm. and the body language is on point. That's something that is always important to me. I think that the way he draws the faces, it it just works, man. Like it's not, they're not necessarily the most realistic people, but there's a consistency to them mm. and it doesn't really feel like they're, um, you know, photo referenced or anything like that. He's just drawing a natural style. And, and there might be some points where the characters or the figures kind of look strange. Like I'm, I'm thinking of this one scene when near the end of the book, when, when Muta flies to Houston to meet his brother and he's looking for, He's meeting his brother in the park, and if you remember that scene, uh, while he's just waiting around in the park, all these other people are walking by, and then this little uh, a pug, a dog, walks up yeah. to him, and then he starts walking away, and the dog is following him, and then he starts running, and there's this panel where he starts running, and the way that Koyama draws his body as he's running, it it just looks kind of like rubbery and cartoony like it it's not it's not how a person who's really running would look mm. so maybe yeah i guess you could say the art's not like it's not flawless or anything but yeah for the most part it it gets the job done you know yeah like it, I, I i give him credit for for how clear everything is and 
how easy the story is to follow. Because I've I've read some manga where things can be so busy, like some of the panels have so much stuff in them that it, it gets a little bit confusing at times. Or other manga where there's a lot of action and fight scenes and stuff, even though like individually the the drawings look really good, but from a storytelling perspective, it makes you step back and have to pause to try and examine what you're looking at and how things flow from one panel to another. And anytime you do that, it, it just kind of slows down the reading experience and possibly even takes you out of the comic, you know? Yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. Yeah, so I, I like how his art doesn't do that. It doesn't take you, it doesn't ever take you out of the comic. It, it just keeps things flowing in an easy way. Yeah. And that's why, that that's one thing that helped it be a really breezy kind of read. There isn't a whole lot of text, so it's not very dense in terms of the amount of words per page. But in terms of the amount of panels per page, it's, it's not too heavy there either, like a lot of manga. Yeah. It's the, it's also interesting to me that we could also say um, that this is a pretty good example of decompressed storytelling because it's like 200-something pages, and it doesn't really feel like we've gone too far, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, the page count in and of itself feels like a lot, but... In terms of the story that we do get, it's we're not inundated with information, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like the text is dense. It doesn't even feel like a lot is going on. You're really immersed in the the moments that you do get out of this comic. Yeah. You know? So yeah. the experience of him going to school or him uh, looking at a display astronaut and you know wanting to envision himself going to space it's those little details that that captivate you while you're reading this you know totally man totally yeah yeah this was this was a great read man yeah gotta read volume two yeah i'm pretty satisfied with the choice i'm glad we chose it uh i i will say that after reading it, I'm more interested in reading the rest of it. In addition to that, I'd, I'd even say that I'm interested in checking out the anime at some point. Yeah. You know? Yeah, actually, I after I finished reading Volume 1, I went on YouTube and just looked up the trailer for the anime just to look at it. Oh. And it looks fun, man. It Some of the scenes in the trailer look pretty much straight out of the first uh, couple chapters of Volume 1. Yeah. Well, I have to ask this. Uh, the the so I haven't seen the trailer, but would you mm-hmm. say that the what you saw of the trailer does it establish any kind of a tone? Like, does it try to be serious or does it try to play it as a comedy or like what what would you say uh, you got from that trailer in in terms of the tone of the story they they wanted to tell? So the trailer was only like probably two minutes, maybe three minutes, but it I would say it had the same tone as the manga. So it's not overboard on the comedy. It's not overboard on any one thing, but you just yeah. really, it's really just a few scenes of them as kids seeing the, the UFO or whatever it was and then making the promise. And then from there you see scenes of Muta kind of going about, uh, 
the journey in volume one where you see little scenes of him like getting fired from his job after he headbutts his boss and then you see him doing those menial tasks and then enrolling in the program or whatever you call it i don't even i don't even know what they call it in the story i can't remember if it's a, a program or just a series of tests or something but you see him doing all that stuff mm. and it, it yeah it just feels very similar to what we just read okay i mean i i, I asked because i'm curious uh because I think the thing about mangas that are uh, turned into animes, sometimes, like, how I read a manga and, like, how I imagine the tone as I read it may not necessarily be what they intend. And when I see it in an anime where they can apply, you know, music and Mm -hmm. pacing to it as as they see fit, it's it's interesting to see if it's different than what I imagined it to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, anytime something gets adapted into a different medium, there's certainly going to be some slight differences. Yeah. Uh but yeah, from just that short trailer, it it's hard for me to detect what those differences might be. Mm. Actually, one thing uh you just made me realize or remember to to mention was in terms of going back to the art and and the designs, I was going to say for a pair of brothers, Muta and Hibito don't really look very similar. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty uh they're pretty different from each other. Like uh what what is his name? Hibito? Yeah, he has blonde young, hair. Yeah, he's he's got this bleach blonde hair which, you know, one presuming that they're Japanese, it's a safe bet that he, you know, dyes his hair. So, you know, that's probably not a genetic thing. But uh, the other brother, Muta, he's got from the sounds of uh, from the way that they describe him in the manga, he's got like coarse and uh, tangled hair. He and he looks mm-hmm. just kind of messy, you know. Whereas Hibuto seems like he's a lot cooler he looks like a pretty boy yeah he's 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 a pretty boy he's definitely on the cooler side so he had he had the blonde hair even when they were kids oh that's true okay then i have no real explanation for that (laughs) what you you don't think parents would let their kids bleach their hair blonde oh well that's probably the case but you know uh I guess he's stuck with that look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or it could just be one of those those things in comics where yeah. or in, in manga where they, they like draw in Japanese people to look they don't really draw them to look like Japanese people, you know? Yeah. Kinda like, like Sailor Moon or something where all the girls have different colored hair. Yeah, exactly. There's no actual girl out there with naturally green hair as far as i can tell (laughs) (laughs) so albert having read volume one of space brothers would you have any recommendations for anything kind of similar or comparable that you might 
think uh, other people who enjoyed Space Brothers would want to check out? Um, so the first thing that came to mind upon reading this, and it's, oddly enough, I would say it's almost diametrically the opposite of what Space Brothers is. Ooh. But, but I think it's still similar enough, which is uh, Two Brothers by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Oh. Yeah. That's and a good one. This is a comic that's about these two brothers that grow up in this village together, and their lives just go in different directions. But I forget. I want to say that they're twins. Yeah, they're twins. And the thing about them is through their experiences, they end up despising each other. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, you know, and it's just a story about how, uh, in spite of the fact that they are twins and that they are brothers, uh, it, it's like that line in Shakespeare, you know, about how, like, your worst love from your worst hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it's the opposite. It's it's almost this idea that because they're brothers and because they're supposed to love each other, that they could not... It's because of those things that they're almost destined to hate each other more. You nice. Know? Nice. Hate brothers. <laughs> yeah, you know, like... I think there are a lot of stories that... Uh, that what's the word there are a lot of stories that look at family and uh i guess idolize it or like paint a pretty picture about family and you know i think that's good too but this was this was something that goes in the opposite direction and it's not something that you see very often or that at least as far as i can tell where mm -hmm. uh Again, the these two brothers are due to circumstance and due to upbringing. They should, for all intents and purposes, be closer than any two people. But it's that closeness that just makes them hate each other and despise each other even more than normal yeah. people would. Yeah. Yeah. That, have you a, ever? Have you ever read it? That's a fascinating concept. I read it a long time ago, borrowed from the library, so it's not. Yeah super uh clear to me on all the details but i i do remember the basic concept of it yeah yeah do you have a copy of it i should borrow it sometime i never got a copy of it i remember the green apple was selling they had a stack of these uh on the remaindered books and i was intended to go back and buy it but it sold out before i ever got a copy which i regret lose yeah yeah so let that be a lesson to all of you. If you see something that you want at a at a good price, jump on it. Otherwise, you'll miss out. Yeah. And you'll end up like our romantic love lives. We're constantly missing out. <laughs> we snoozed yeah. and we lost. We snossed and we lost. <laughs> uh, why am I laughing? Because the only <laughs> other alternative is to cry. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh.
Uh, what about you, Drew? Do you have any recommendations? Yeah. Get a better paying job. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, my that advice. ends our episode. <laughs> Bleach your hair blonde so you'll be more attractive to women. <laughs> That's my recommendation. <laughs> then maybe you won't end up like us. <laughs> No, in terms of comics, I'd recommend the first thing that came to my mind was Planetess. And this is this was my recommendation last summer when we did our episode with Shanus and Zach about our science fiction recommendations. So I won't go too deep into it again, but uh, Planetess by Makoto Yukimura was a, a two-volume manga, and you can get it. Uh, you can still get it. It's published by Dark Horse. It's a very realistic, hard science fiction uh, story that's also about people that love space. But in, I mean, in this story, in Planetest, they already have um, a city on the moon and they have space travel and things like that. But just a sense of wonder from being in outer space, that's an ever-present theme that is common in Planetess as well as Space Brothers. And I think Planetess does a really great job with the with the science aspects of the story, but it also does an awesome job with the human characters and the just the human element and the emotional content as well as the philosophical content. Like it, it's it's something that is extremely satisfying on every single level and the artwork in that is mind-blowingly good yeah so i would definitely recommend planetus if you're feeling a story about space travel that's realistic and isn't just about uh you know star wars kind of space battles and things like that if you're looking for something more grounded in reality i would definitely recommend planetus not space opera yeah it's not space opera it's it's hard science fiction. Yeah. It uh when you mentioned that it it made me think of another recommendation that I would probably put on the list. Uh You there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh well, uh, first of all, the first thing that I forgot to mention about Two Brothers is uh so I mentioned it was by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba, and the thing about that is those two are actually brothers. Yeah. Yeah, so, those guys are brothers. Yeah, so uh, there might be some uh, some truths to their story in that <laughs> comic. Um, that, or it might come from a real place. Not that they hate each other, but like you know, uh, growing up as two brothers uh, working on that comic, there are things in there that come from a place of truth. Is what I'm saying. Wouldn't it be weird if they genuinely did hate each other, but they just continued working with each other because that was the only way they could be successful? Well, what were those two brothers? The Luna brothers? Oh, yeah. Those two hated each other. (laughs) Well, allegedly one of them was abusive towards the other brother, so... Yeah. That's so... That's why... Yeah. Yeah. So one of them was 
justified in his hatred of the other one. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Um, Yeah. But listening to you talk about, uh, you know, a comic that celebrated the wonder of space travel, it it made me think of Orbiter by Warren Ellis. And, oh, uh, yeah. It's a great I f- one. I forget who the artist was. Uh, you... Colleen Doran, I believe. Yeah. That's another comic that is about space travel and just... Well, okay. In brief, uh, like the brief description that I can give of it is... It, it's another story that takes place in a not too distant future yeah but but uh essentially uh mankind has turned away from space travel just due to some incidents and one day out of space a missing shuttle comes returns to earth one uh a a shuttle that went into space and it it seems like there's well there's some definitely something different about this space shuttle upon its return but as the story progresses and as you learn more it it really is a celebration of uh exploration and optimism about space discovery yeah you know yeah that's a good choice yeah it, it's definitely it definitely leans harder into the idea of science fiction than than uh space brothers or planetess yeah but it thematically there's definitely this appreciation and almost a reverence for reaching for the stars yeah 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 totally yeah i was also gonna say uh, i just checked and the artist is indeed colleen doran artist of orbiter nice nice yeah yeah and if anyone is interested in hearing us talk more about planetess you can check out episode 31 (laughs) that's when we talked about it with uh zach and shanis yeah it's fun to talk about these space stories i mean it's fun to talk about like space opera stories but sometimes it's fun to just talk about these stories that are more based in humanity even though they're about space you know yeah it's there's always something more or something compelling when you have the human element in there i'm not saying that it's always absolutely necessary yeah but just from i think for most people most people are probably drawn to stories that are about people yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Like you can, you can tell an experimental story that is more about ideas or concepts or situations than it is about people. Well, but here's the audience a might be limited. Yeah. So, your hypothesis is that most people are drawn to stories about people. Mm-hmm. What you what would you say to people who are drawn to stories about Spawn? Oh man. <laughs> well, I would tell those people to develop better taste in comics. Get your shoe out of your mouth. <laughs> Look, it's one thing to like Spawn just because 
it reminds you of your youth or because it's something you grew up with and you have a sense of nostalgia looking at Spawn comics. But if you genuinely think that Spawn is awesome and that the (laughs) stories are, you know, full of depth and worth reading, I, I would... I would question that like I would I would require you to you know come up with a thesis statement maybe write me an essay to explain to me what the appeal is because I I really don't get it I would want to see someone write that essay I would want to see someone do a college thesis where they break down I'd be curious about that yeah I mean if if the reason why you like it is just because you think the art is cool and you just want to see Spawn beat people up. I, <laughs> I guess I guess I comprehend it. I don't really... I'm not impressed by the reason, but I am capable of comprehending the reason. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? That's, uh, that's far more than I would say to them. I, I want to hear what you would say. Uh, I would say, learn to breathe with your mouth closed. (laughs) (laughs) Every Spawn fan is a mouth breather. (laughs) (laughs) Look, you might be single men who can't find love, but at least we're not Spawn fans. We might be lonely for the rest of our lives, but at least Spawn won't be keeping us company. Exactly. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather be alone than read Spawn. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you what. If you guys have some insights into Spawn, I'm not against it. Go ahead and like, you know, contact us on our social, and I'd be more than happy to hear what you have to say. Yeah, Let's like hear it. Yeah, if there's a, a specific Spawn story arc that you would highly recommend that you think would completely change our opinions on Spawn, let us know. Maybe maybe we'll even read it and do an, do an episode about it and just talk about what we learned. Hit us up. Yeah. Oh, before we head out, I did have one more uh, serious recommendation for, sure, for uh, Space Stories. But uh, it was going to be the com- this graphic novel from several years ago. Or maybe, I guess it was like over a decade ago. But the graphic novel Laika by Nick Abadzis. Oh. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So this was uh, a graphic novel published by... Uh, actually, I don't remember who the publisher was. I, was. I thought it was First Second, but I don't think it is First Second. It's a story... That's based on the dog Laika, who was the that Russian dog. Um, the first dog in space. The first dog in space, yeah. So it's based on a, a true story. I read it a long time ago, so all of the details aren't aren't too super clear to me. But I will say that it was pretty emotional kind of story, especially if you if you like dogs and and you have a you know you just in appreciate animals and it's it's based on uh there's not really too many liberties taken in terms of just the fantastic there's not it's it's not fantastical or anything it's more of a 
a serious story, but it, it's still appropriate for uh, you know all ages and stuff. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would recommend that. It, it's yeah, it's still a story about people trying to reach space and the sacrifices that they had to make in order to attain that dream. I will say that reading Space Brothers did make me want to reread Laika just because of that, because yeah. of the idea of space, because it's been so long since I've read it. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I might be confusing this with something else, but it, was, it wasn't a, like, a wordless comic, was it? No, no, it's got a lot of words. Okay, yeah, I must have thought of uh, something else. Oddly yeah. enough, I mean, because it's based on a true story, I feel like there are a lot of, at least a couple of stories based on that same dog that I can think of. <laughs> oh, comics or just stories yeah. in general? Comics. Uh, I forget. I remember reading this one short story. I forget who it was. Or it might have been an animation or something like that. But uh, there were some people who... Okay, so not to not to spoil it to you for too many people, but that first dog that went into space didn't actually come back from what I remember. It it was basically a one way trip. Mm. And yeah. so I remember reading this like one comic, a short story where someone wanted to give that dog a happy ending, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like, Oh, they sent him into space just to see if something could survive up there and you know, they never retrieved the dog. So the person that wrote the comic essentially told the story about how the dog crash-landed on some other planet and, you know, lived out the rest of its days in happiness, you know? I see, I see. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I'd have to look for it, but I don't remember what what exactly that story was or who it was by, but I just thought it was a funny anecdote. Okay, oh. yeah, if you remember, man, I'd be interested in looking it up. yeah. I'll 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 look it up and I'll see if I can pass it by. <laughs> Talking about space dogs reminded me of Cosmo, the space dog from Marvel Comics. <laughs> <laughs> He's that dog that uh, has telepathic powers, and I think he was part of the Guardians of the Galaxy for a while. Huh. I am not familiar with that dog. <laughs> yeah, he he's a a dog that has kind of this astronaut-looking suit. Actually, that he's, does sound kind of It's kind of like a golden retriever looking kind of dog. Yeah. And he he has this astronaut looking suit. I think <laughs> they put him in the in the background in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't he at the end with uh the collector when everything got destroyed? Well, I was going to say wasn't he left? with the Howard with Howard the Duck? Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember that now. Cuz I think he was in the museum that the collector had yeah is that he was the only uh i don't know he was unique yeah so he's yeah he was that was supposed to be cosmo the space doc <laughs> that's uh that's pretty cute <laughs> yeah <laughs> all well, right any final thoughts no i i i enjoyed our pick and i'm glad that we got to read it and expose and widen our exposure to manga and comics so for those of you who uh follow us on the podcast please uh you know go and check out space brothers volume beyond volume one (laughs) yeah and if anyone out there is pretty far into space brothers and you've read a bunch of it yeah i'd be curious to to hear what 
you think of the series. Maybe you don't have to spoil everything, but I'm definitely interested in hearing what people like about it. What are the Talk things with that us. they appreciate? Yeah. yeah. So next week, in our next episode, we'll continue our monthly reread through Invincible by Robert Kirkman and Ryan Otley. So next episode, we're going to go through year four of Invincible, which comprises issues 36 to 47 or if you're reading it in trades volumes 8 and 9 so yeah stick with us and we hope you enjoy it as well good all right everybody this is between the gutters signing off Bye, guys peace out <laughs>